Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, what's up? It's a new week of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 191. I believe we have six movies to talk about this this week. And I, I think, Eric, you've seen most of them. And Bruce, you've done the actual yeoman's work of seeing all, I guess, six movies, I'm assuming. Are there some bangers on this episode, episode 191 of Cinematics, Bruce? What do you think? Some bangers? Yes, there are some bangers. I don't think there's any... Well, let's see. I'm trying to think. If, if I don't think there's any full duds in the group. I no full say. no full duds this week as far as movies go. What about you, Eric Holmes? Any we like to cover here on Cinematics a lot of the indie driven smaller scale films, but we actually have one one big movie this week, Kandahar with Gerard Butler. From I guess the movies you saw this week, is there any bangers in the mist this week for you, Eric? Well, Greg, we are fully in banger season, and I'm happy to say it's gonna continue throughout this week at least. Oh, probably into next week and probably into the week after that. So, oh, very good. Get excited. Get excited. That should be a very, very good thing. We are. It's an exciting time. I should. Ha- How do I actually turn off my phone? Do I just put it on airplane, Bruce, on my iPhone? Is that what I do? Just put it on airplane mode because there's someone trying to call me. I, I don't even have friends. So let me see. Let me just put airplane mode on on so we can actually have no one coming calling in during the podcast but we have some really good interesting movies there's a movie called i was going to say moon shadow because bruce <laughs> missed it me earlier today there's a movie called moon garden there's the wrath of becky a sequel to the movie becky there's wildlife a documentary that's going to be as we speak on the national geographic channel as well as hulu and disney plus this week there's a movie called the hole in the fence the attachment diaries and last but definitely not least there's gerard butler's latest film that is Kandahar. But but before we get to the features, Bruce Perky, you, you haven't done an interview for a, a spell. What what brought you out of semi-retirement to actually put your mic on and actually <laughs> talk to some people? I think I mentioned it last week, the Southern Fried Film Festival. I think it's its fifth year out of Huntsville, which I live very close to Huntsville, like 30 minutes away at the most. So I uh, reached out to in this case, I think I talked to the executive director of the Southern Fried Film Festival, um, Trevit Willis. I uh, talked to her today. So that brought me out. Lo and behold, she's done some other work. She's kind of centered out of LA and, and New York, which I did not know, but she has family here and she does this film festival here. And she is one of the producers of the 40-year-old version which is on Netflix and is an excellent movie. And she's done some other things as well. So uh, yeah, that's what brought me out. And from the lineup, what do you think of the lineup This as far as the Southern Fried Fest and everything? What's, how, are you liking some of the selections? Yeah, yeah, it looks very interesting. Um, they, she, calls the, she calls the festival when in the interview here talk about it. She kind of calls it a best of because they're still so small that they're not going to get first, you know, debut of some of these movies. But a lot of these movies are still only in festivals or very, very hard to get still. But for example, uh, Linoleum is going to be there. Uh, Joyland is going to be there, plus a bunch of other things I haven't seen. Uh, I know that that new, um, my brain's losing the name. Um, but Joyland, that Pakistani film is so amazing. It's one of my favorites this year. I think all yeah. three of us loved Joyland so much. Yeah, so it looks like looks like they have a good lineup. Uh, Little Richard, the Little Richard documentary is, is closing out the, the festival. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. 
and documentaries and feature narratives, as well as um, some kind of family fair as well. Interviews, Eric Holmes, you've been, what are, have you been done doing the last week as far as just talking to people as well? Yeah, uh, let's see. We just released the one with uh, Chandler Henry, who's uh, directed the upcoming Journey to the UFC, which is a really good, really tight documentary, hour long. And uh, we mentioned in the interview how we got so much uh, drama and story within an hour. Something some movies can't do in three hours for reasons I can't quite explain, but whatever. And in fact, we're talking about Ratha Becky. Talk to the uh, writers and directors of that as well. And How did that interview go with the Ratha Becky? I'm going to be posting it this week. I think it went pretty well. Uh, it's very possible that they could. I mean, with any of these interviews, it's very possible that hey, you got you have a good day. Thanks for showing up. Blah blah blah. Things go off, and it's like that guy this is a family show i shouldn't have said that yeah look at you i'll I'll bleep you don't worry i'll bleep you (laughs) but uh yeah they're they're really great people i can't wait to talk about their movie because i really liked it spoiler alert and uh yeah we got uh we got a couple things coming up so well let's let's, let's start off with actually the wrath of becky it's exclusively in theaters may 26th on Friday. And again, I'm, I'm just so glad it's exclusively in theaters. We, Eric was mentioning the writers and directors, Matt Angel and Suzanne, how do you Coot. pronounce it? Coot, Coot are the directors and they are, Matt Angel is the main writers, but the story by is from Matt and Suzanne. We return two years later from the incidents of Becky. If you're not, if you have not seen Becky, I don't know if I want to spoil too much, but there's, they actually tell you from the trailer what happens after the first events from Becky. Just know that you know, the Be- Becky was traumatized regarding her father and uh, just a lot of things happened. Kevin James was the main bad guy. Really interesting film. I think I really enjoyed it. I forget. I think Bruce liked it as well, but not as much as me. I think, but you still recommended it. And I think, Eric, if I recall, you also liked Becky. It's been two years since four neo-Nazis invaded my family's lake house and murdered my father. I'm 16 now. I've run away from three foster homes. Diego, come. This is Elena Khan. I've lived with her for the past year. We go now to a developing story. They call themselves the Noblemen, and they may be coming here to Fillmore. Whether or not the Noblemen decide to make an appearance at the town hall on Wednesday, only time will tell. So are you going to see this? You're just going to stand there. Right this way. Finally. (laughs) She did that on purpose. Saving our country and stopping the treason one vengeful mission at a time. To freedom. 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 Who is it? It's Becky. You took my dog. We go to the cops. I got enough weaponry in my barn to start an insurrection at Town Hall tomorrow. Find the girl and give her back her dog! 
exhausted. It's not over yet. Now, with the wrath of Becky, two years later, she is now, since she's she, she's been moving around foster homes and whatnot, but now she finds a really stable existence with this elderly black woman in this small town, and she's Becky's working as a waitress at the local diner. The problem is there are a bunch of, Bruce, what would you call them? Sort of revolutionaries, insurrectionists, racists? Proud boy stand-ins, I guess you'd call because they call them noblemen, but no, no, obviously right. based on proud boys. Proud, oh yeah, okay. So they're called in this movie noblemen. They are led by American Pies, Sean William Scott, in a very dark role, very convincing. Uh, dude, where's my cars, Sean William Scott? Thank you for the correction, Eric. Uh, I was going to say goons. Yeah, Southland Tales. Yes, very good. Well, look, Eric and Bruce are trying to prove to me that Sean William Scott (laughs) has had a divorce acting career, and I stand corrected. But of course, yeah, Goon, uh, there's so many really, it's Southland Tales, so many interesting films from Sean William Scott. Let's add the Wrath of Becky to one of them. He is the ringleader of these noblemen, and several of these noblemen actually accost Becky at her job. And well, Becky's not going to, she's not going to take any guff from these bullies. And what happens is a sort of a confrontation regarding a coffee cup. It's in the trailer. And then they they retaliate, retaliate. And Becky, as we know, she's not a wilting flower. She makes sure that she will seek revenge, vengeance, avenge. She will do all the bloody things that she can to people who have wronged her. That is the premise of The Wrath of Becky. Really interesting film. Let's start off with Eric Holmes, who did the interviews. Your overall general thoughts review of The Wrath of Becky. Yeah, this was this was really good. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. I don't recall watching Becky. It's entirely possible that I could have because I got uh, donkey brains. But I think uh, if just for anyone listening, if you haven't seen Becky, uh, Wrath of Becky completely works as a standalone. I was more impressed because I already enjoyed the movie. I thought it, I thought it moved well. I thought it was really fun, and uh, you know it had its. Uh, you know, point of view that I wanted to say. Uh, some people will be not happy with the point of view, but screw them if they can't take a joke. Like you said, it's only it's only eighty three minutes the movie. So yeah, but I I think what impressed me most was after doing the interview, finding out that it took them what like a like a week or two to write the script, and it's very fully realized. Like the people, um, like Sean William Scott's character, for example, like he's not uh, a what do you call it? it? It doesn't feel like a straw man. Like all the characters that I don't like, they say things that feel and they say and do things that feel like that someone with that point of view would be like, yeah, yeah, that tracks. And that's that's something that usually comes with like a fourth rewrite, fifth, sixth, seventh rewrite. And the fact that they just bang the script out in like a couple of weeks is just impressive as hell. Before I even knew that, I just enjoyed the movie because I thought it was funny. It was real fun. Um, you know, it, it had its uh, political message, but it it didn't really take itself too seriously. Like it, it took its jabs for sure. But it it was just it was just kind of kept moving. I'm I'm trying to think of a good movie to kind of compare it to. Mm. Was that like, like kind of the hunt? Mm-hmm. What, is that the movie that's like the movie everyone hates that no one's seen yet? You know that that was like the the thing. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that. This one I think works better in both not being a straw man and also just being entertaining and having a point of view that comes across very clearly. And I love Lulu Wilson's Becky. 
you know, I want to see more, more of Lou Wilson as, as Becky is great. We also have to mention character actor, Courtney Gaines. If you're familiar with his work from children of the corn from the eighties, he was also in back to the future. And I remember him from the burbs. So Courtney Gaines is very good as one of the noblemen in this film. And you might know him. If you don't know him from any of these aforementioned films, you've seen him a million times in different movies all throughout the last, what, four or five decades. Very good character actor. And I also want to give some props to, there is an actress in this movie, elderly actress. She's in her mid-70s, Jill Larson. She plays a an interesting character in The Wrath of Becky. I will just give props to Jill Larson because this takes me back to my life in the 90s. I watched a ton of Jill Larson in the soap opera, All My Children. And I remember her as Opal, and she was such a great actress in All My Children. It was so great to see her pretty much knock it out of the park in a very showy performance in The Wrath of Becky. So a lot of really cool things too. Yes, Eric? I, I do also want to point out uh, Aaron, Della, uh, Aaron Della Villa, who played DJ, was also in probably one of the greatest movies that everyone hates, The Scare of 61st. Had a very small part, <laughs> but he was in that as well. So yeah. I, I had it. But he, he was he was definitely like one of the, one of the highlight characters in this as well. Aaron De La Villa in The Scary of 61st. Is that movie The Scary of 61st a five-star banger for you, Eric? It's a 6.9 star banger for me. (laughs) But for everyone else, it's a, Eric, what the hell did you make me watch star banger? Has anyone over the last couple of years agreed with you at how much of a five-star or 6.9 star? Not one person. Okay, (laughs) we will listen. Listeners, hit up Eric Holmes. Don't talk to me or Bruce because I don't know. Maybe we. I think Bruce saw it. I don't know if he was. He. I don't think he. If I recall, I'm putting words in your mouth, Bruce. I don't think you liked it as much as Eric did or liked it at all. But you gave it a shot, Bruce. Did you like it? Kind of no. Oh no, no. it's it's a, it's a pretty hard to like movie. I think. Oh no. You know what? One of these days, maybe I get. I should actually give a shot to Aaron De La Villa and the cast members for the Scary of Sixty First. It's probably streaming somewhere. I'm assuming Shutter. So a lot of props to these ensemble actors some really good praise does a praise continue with bruce perky yeah i like this movie i think this this is exactly what you want this movie to be i think really honestly <laughs> and we talk about three star bangers and to me this is this is right down the pocket for that it's not i think this is a notch lower than the original becky for me only because the one thing that i really loved about the original becky is even though it was preposterous as far as like her being able to do all the stuff that she does in that movie, the concept is that she's just a little kid, basically, you know, and that she isn't, she isn't a badass in any way. She just kind of becomes magically a badass. So it sort of has a, a little bit of uh, home alone DNA to it, along with some kind of pretty great practical gore. And this movie kind of continues along that path. But now that she's a little older, I think it loses just a smidge of that because now she's essentially an adult. She's a young adult, but she's essentially an adult dealing with adults. So you lose a little something there for me, but it's not a big loss. Uh, I think overall the, the movie re- works really well. I, I was quite amused by the fact that um, how you know someone thinks and maybe is a badass is when they're going to go out someplace, they don't even pretend to try to blend in or have camouflage. They just wear a giant <laughs> bright red jumpsuit. Because that isn't going to blend. <laughs> that is not going to be good camouflage in a foresty area. So she doesn't care. She's just out to do what she needs to do. I think that if you like the first one, you're going to like this one. If it looks interesting and fun to you, you're probably going to have a pretty fun time with it. I kind of appreciated the fact too. It looked like it was going to maybe try to be a bigger movie, but it didn't end up going very big. It stayed pretty small. It stayed pretty focused, which the first one did too. I'm a little bit nervous with the tag that you get at the end that this is going to try to go big 
with future installments. And I kind of hope it doesn't because I think it, the charm of these movies are that they are kind of these small little Becky universes. You know, they're not very big. They don't, they don't extend straight out of their, their wheelhouse. You know, I think to Eric's point, I really like Lulu Wilson, love Lulu Wilson as Becky. And I could see just, well, I mean, let's just face it. I don't know. I haven't ch- listened to the interview yet, Eric, but I think there has to be another installment for Becky. And there, I could see three or four more installments of this movie, whether they go big or the same, even if they follow the same formula. This is one of these things that I believe will have a tried and true audience. I'm one of the followings, followers of this movie. I will continue to loyally watch more of these Becky films. So I I enjoyed it. I don't know if it goes big, it might be interesting, but maybe there's something to be said about when you say the word formulaic, that can be considered a negative term, but sometimes if the formula works and you have people who will drink that formula time and time again, like me, I'm, I'm all for it. So, I mean, that's a compliment when I say formulaic for the wrath of Becky, let's get to our star ratings. Yes, Eric. Right. Real quick. I would say that, uh, if I saw the first Becky, I don't remember Donkey Brains. I don't think I did. You know, if if the first Becky's good, I believe the original writers were Nick Morris, Lane Sky, and Ruckus Sky. And then you have Matt Angel, Suzanne Coot writing this one. Look, if you want to go bigger and you have as talented as crew, uh, writers and directors and crew as you did on this one, at the very least, more Becky. I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah. And it is it is a revenge tale, but the way the revenge tale just sort of unfolds, there are some a couple of really cool little touches of surprise in it. So it's like Bruce said, it's not it's something that really you don't have to really completely think about. This is a movie that you're gonna have fun watching, no matter what, no matter how much all three of us try to pick the wrath of Becky apart. Eric Holmes, your rating. Uh, for me, I kind of want to go three star banger just because there's some snowflakes that won't like this at all. <laughs> there's a certain group of people that uh, just love calling people snowflakes. And as soon as you sp- put the spotlight on them, they melt the quickest. So uh, we'll say three star banger, but in my heart, this is like a four and a half, five star movie, I think. Okay, cool. What about you, Bruce? Same three star banger. Three-star banging for Bruce and Eric. I'm giving it a straight-up four stars, highly recommended by me, highly recommended by Eric Holmes and Bruce. All, all of us enjoyed The Wrath of Becky 3 again. People, if you have not listened to Cinematics and Past Episodes, three-star banger it means it's better than three stars. It's a movie that really knows how to stay in its lane and actually excels in that respective genre. I don't know if I actually butchered the, the definition of three-star banger or if I said it correctly. Who knows? It's an, The genre is action, thriller, and horror. Running, it's rated R, 83 minutes, May 26th, exclusively in theaters. Now I'm going to confuse Bruce and Eric because I'm just going to say two words and I'm going to take a five to seven minute break and sleep. Moon Garden. Bruce Porky, take it away. Oh no, I get to start. Well, that's good because Eric, I know, is just chomping at the bit to talk about Moon Garden. Boy, I didn't write down too much information, so you might have to pop in with some information for me. I did write the director of Moon Garden, which I believe is the creator kind of in all aspects of this movie. So Ryan Stevens Harris uh, is kind of the creative force behind this movie, my understanding is correct. And the other main person, there's several actors in here, but the real main person you need to know is there's a little kid uh, playing the character Emma played by Haven Lee Harris. She is in probably, well, I don't even say 90% of the scenes of this movie. Boy, this is, okay, <laughs> hard movie to describe. Uh, I guess for me, it's uh, kind of like a combination of Alice in Wonderland, but instead she's in the Mad God world with maybe some 
I don't know, a tool video thrown on the side there a little bit. This is like the basic concept is this. The very beginning, the parents are fighting, the 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 child, she's pretty little, like seven, maybe six, maybe even smaller, five. five. Yeah, she's pretty little. Parents are arguing, things are happening. Girl gets, uh, falls downstairs and gets hurt. So she kind of, she may be in and out of consciousness. She may be in a coma. It's something like that. And what you're basically seeing is her trip through her own kind of internal wonderland, I guess you say, but it's a pretty dark wonderland. And the whole movie mostly is that wonderland and her essentially just trying to get back to her her life and her parents. And while that's happening, you're seeing these very strange and fantastical dreamscapes, I guess is the best way to describe it. And the way that's presented is very unique. I, I, Eric, hop in on this. <laughs> help me. Yes. Help me with this. So uh, with Mad God, Mad God's about dissension. It's about continually descending into hell, pretty much. This is the exact opposite of this. It's about ascension. So Havenly Harris, who, by the way, uh, I'll I'll get back to her. She's amazing in this. But she you know, falls down, goes into a coma, and she starts at the very pit of hell. And she's trying little by little to try to kind of come out of this coma and get back get back to her parents. And it's it's really like harrowing at times creepy as hell at times the the main uh antagonist antagonist if you want to call it that chattertooth um, guy <laughs> oh that looks so cool it looks so good but yeah there, there's so much like weird horror stuff in this and creepy stuff uh it definitely feels kind of labyrinth a little mm-hmm. bit a little bit like wizard of oz like it's got that kind of stuff and, and it's got a lot of really cool stop motion kind of effects in this havenly harris who plays emma I had to stop the movie in the middle and look this up because I was worried that the girl was being abused on set because yeah. <laughs> the 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 amount of fear at like at like her reactions to things like the amount of fear and stuff that she went through I was like I was like please please tell me they were not abusing a child on this set and then I look at directed by Ryan Stevens Harris Haven Lee Harris. I don't know what the relationship is, if any. I assume it's father-daughter, so it's like, okay, it's probably good. And then I saw an interview with her, and she's like, oh, yeah, it was scary, but it was real fun, and blah, 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 and I got to make a movie. I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. But I, I think that's a testament to, like, how great she was in this. And, what, like, five years old, maybe yeah. seven when they shot. Like, she's really young. And to get, like, all the reactions out of her, not not just not just afraid, but, like, joy and and there's certain there's certain scenes where like Chattertooth comes out and then she's like just horrified or or that guy with the 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 zombie guy with the, like the long hair like she's like oh, horrif- yeah. she's like horrified by him and then her just face melt like just melts and turns into like joy like oh, oh hey your friend it's like how does a five year old do that how does a five year old do that if anyone watches this movie. And if Haven Lee Harris gets a Razzie nomination, I, I would just throw my hands up and go, I don't get it. I, what more do you want from a child actor than what she brought to this? Uh, there, there's that. There's the stop motion animation. There's a story, which the story's pretty simple. She's just trying to get out of a coma. And then they go back and forth um, with the... Now, the mom and dad are kind of archetypes in this. The dad's, he's more, he's kind of thoughtful. Like distant, like uh, absent, like 
like obsessed with work. He's kind of not there as much. He, yeah. he is, but all, but his, the, the good thing about him is that he's able to kind of stand back from a situation and go, okay, here's what we need to do. And the mom is real loving, but she's also really emotional. So she, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, the scene where Emma's first falls down and she's like, Oh, give me my baby. And the dad's like, dude, let them do their job. You're, you're making things, you know, there were definitely archetypes, but I think they played really well together. Uh, there's just so much in this movie to love. Go on, Bruce. All, all right, Bruce. I, you, did you love it as much as Eric then? I, I'm not quite as high as Eric, but I liked quite a bit of it. I think that some people, uh, I guess what I would warn people is, Maybe this is one where I would say maybe watch like 10 or 15 seconds of the trailer. Don't watch all of it. Just watch 10 or 15 seconds to get the vibe, the aesthetic. Because I think there's some people where the aesthetic just won't work. Like it just won't be for them. Uh, I would say the only things that didn't work a little bit for me was when she met different human characters, human-ish characters, they were a little too haunted house or... um I kept thinking of like, I don't know, I kept thinking of like um, rock video bad guy characters. And whereas the Chatterteeth guy was so cool that some of the other ones were a little bit like pulled me out a little bit. And I almost didn't even want any other human characters, although I understand why they're there. But then there's other things like there's a storytelling element in there where there's a headless character. I just I'm going to say there's headless character and there's some screens. And that was amazing. So there's I think for every small little nig- little thing that just wasn't quite working for me, there were like. 10 other things that were really imaginative and cool and on such a small budget, I'm sure. So I liked it quite a bit. I'm just not quite to the stratosphere. I think that Eric is. I also want to point out that uh, Ryan Stevens Harris loved this movie. Uh, I, apparently he's did a movie called virus X. I, I watched the trailer for it. It looked kind of lame, but I'll check it out anyway. But I, I wonder if this is another mad God thing where, uh, you know, Phil Tippett, you know, his first movie was Starship Troopers 2, which was just probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then he comes back years later with Mad God, where it's like, dude, what the hell happened? This is amazing. This had but, to have taken a long time to make, too. I can't believe it just didn't take forever. But I do want to point out that, uh, and I have not been, I, I've been looking for them. I have not found them. But we talk about, like, boring titles. Moon Gardens pretty decent title but he has shorts he has a couple shorts one's called whisper kind of a boring title whatever he has another short called shred the master design which is probably one of my favorite (laughs) titles ever he has another one every dream is a child with teeth these are the movie titles you need to be giving your movies Every Dream is a Child with Teeth is a movie I want to see and I've been looking for it ever since I watched Moon Garden (laughs) Just a little props to David Wangberg. I, be, I believe that's his name from Cinema Sentries. He actually posted on our Cinematics Facebook group. Please join if you want some daily movie recommendations and giveaways. David Wangberg, he actually hepped us or hipped us onto Moon Garden about a couple of weeks ago. It's playing in select. It was, it started playing last week in select theaters and now it's continuing its rollout. It hits the Alamo Draft House in Los Angeles, May 26. Interesting shot on 35 millimeter film. With just should be interesting. It might be a visual treat for people who are really into that kind of stuff. Let's start off with the ratings. Bruce Berg, your rating on Moon Garden. I'm going to go four stars, and I'm going to leave it to Eric to take it further, further up. <laughs> so, well, first of all, Haven Lee Harris gets the Pem Zam Award this year. <laughs> I love her in this. Uh, I I love this movie. This is fantastic. Six point nine stars. Even though it's got a kid, it's no sexual connotation. I'm just saying. I got to give it my highest rating because this is like 
this is like the the blazing world to me. The, this excited me as, as much movie. as Magard. And, uh, See, after and I Blue, hated the blazing world, but I loved this. So let's go to figure, yeah. right? Or I didn't love it, but I like this quite a bit. You know, yeah. But the, like the Magard blazing world after Blue uh, mm-hmm. that, that yep. has a, a lot of a uh, yep. lot of similar DNA to after Blue. Yep. Uh, as as far as I'm concerned, everyone that they made a masterpiece with this one. I love this movie. Okay, so that is Moon Garden, four stars from Bruce Perky, and five stars, a.k.a. 6.9 stars from Eric Holmes for Moon Garden. Again, Alamo Draft. I I almost need to go five-star banger because the fact that the main character is a kid, I don't know if I can go with 6.9. Let's do do five-star banger. It seems a little creepy. (laughs) Yeah, it seems a little Let's Seems a little Roman Plansky of me to just do that, but give it her just, age. Just know that I really love this. Is what <laughs> her I really age is the it. rating five. We'll call it five. Five, five, <laughs> five stars from Eric Holmes. Very good, very good, Eric. Now speaking, of very good. Is this movie, aka documentary, called Wildlife from National Geographic Documentary Films? Is it any good? Spotlights a life of. By the way, it's from Oscar-winning filmmakers Chai Vassar Heli and Jimmy Chin. I know uh, Chin from uh, Free Solo. Some if you like these climbing movies, Jimmy Chin and, and he has his hands all over it. I'm not a big expert on Free Solo or Meru or a lot of these movies. Eric or Bruce, are you climbing? Do you like these climbing documentaries by nature or no? I mean, I love Moon Garden. That's technically about climbing. <laughs> it's a climbing. Okay. I don't know if you saw Meru or Free Solo. It's some really interesting stuff. But anyways, it's it follows con- conservationists. Chris Tompkins, and it centers on her life after she, well, it looks at her entire life with, and then some, a big part of that life is with her, with her husband, Doug Tompkins, who she was with for a while until, until he passed away from an accident back in 2015. So the whole movie wildlife looks a big chunk of it deals with how the Tompkins, they decided to actually live over in South America and open up, create national parks throughout Chile and Argentina and through the Tompkins conservation. But then you also, about 30 to 40% of the film, the documentary also looks back at the success that Christy, uh, that Chris and also Doug had in their respective careers. I mean, when you look at, if you combine both of their powers together, I mean, she was uh, Patagonia, the North Face and Esprit. Um, or Esprit, I don't know, I think you call it Esprit. That was a big part of Doug's life. And then I believe Patagonia was Chris's deal. So anyways, they were actually great business people. And then they eventually in midlife, midstream, they teamed up and they moved to South America. It's a very interesting movie. The There's 93 minutes. So they're covering a lot of stuff in wildlife. Bruce Perky, did you think this movie, uh, were you, um, did you love this movie? Did you love this documentary? Or do you think maybe it might've covered too much? Or do you think maybe it's just a great overview? Um, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I think it was good, but it didn't, it didn't blow me away. I, I think that maybe it did cover a bit too much or, you know, it's hard to describe. I, if you're interested in this stuff, it's going to be interesting enough. It's it's kind of um, a little fascinating, I think, just to see how all of these major you know, outdoor apparel companies all kind of came from the same little group. Kind of like you see like all these bands or something coming from the same little area at the same time, something like that. They all came from this surfing climbing community in, in California in the sixties, basically, which that's interesting in its own right. And then it kind of, you know, immediately goes through his life and, and kind of bounces back and forth between the present and the past to kind of see where we get to. Uh, and then a big chunk, like you said, is about trying to, preserve huge chunks of chile for me i feel like this was a movie that was a little too bound to its subjects 
Like, I think it, it always wanted to be kind of on the side and friendly with the subjects. And I feel like there was more drama to be had here. A few examples. Both of these these two join up together in a later part of their lives. And there are multiple times where they kind of offhandedly mention like, oh, how he was this ladies' man and people were saying that she shouldn't go with him. And how she just drops her engagement to end up going with him. It's like, okay, that's some pretty big stuff. Do we ever hear from the other side of that? Not, not really. Um, we have a lot of stuff about how they had death threats in Chile. They had massive roadblocks to try to keep these, you know, American, huge, rich American people from, they considered kind of plundering their land, although they were, you know, trying to preserve the land. I think that's where the real drama was, but they just kind of say, well, we, you know, we, we'd worked with people and we convinced them. So all of that stuff to me would have been the real drama of this movie that kind of wasn't there. So it really ended up being more of a kind of a factual life of documentary, which isn't to me quite as fascinating. It was, it was good. Interesting to me, but it didn't blow me away. Chris Tompkins and Doug Tompkins, when you mentioned the moniker wildlife, it it means two two things. You you could consider if from the out if you're a city slicker like me, you're thinking, oh, they're moving to the wilds of South America. That's quote unquote a wildlife. And the second explanation is it's not a spoiler, but it's part of their passion. It's Chris's love for rewilding, bringing back endangered animals back into the ecosystem that she and Doug own within these um, national parks and to give it over. So that there are just, when you say factual, it's one of these things where there's 93 minutes of very interesting material and I'm not going to fault it for, Yeah, I mean, it's still good. It, 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 I just expected all of those elements to grab me even more. I don't know if I was expecting some kind of like um, operatic situation, but I don't know. By the end of the documentary, I said, well, I got to really visit Chris and Doug in their lives. And I got to know a little bit about this group from the 60s who became multimillionaires from their their travels. But I just felt my only thing is wildlife could have been a sort of a season long limited series where you just fight. There's just so much stuff. There's just so much stuff, so much interesting stuff. So it's not me complaining. I'm just saying there's just so many cool things to get from wildlife. And by the end I was like thinking, Oh, I just wanted that little, maybe extra spark. There's a climb in the situation where you're thinking, okay, that climb is just part of the documentary. It's not even featured. It's just sort of like extra B roll just to make it beautiful. And so there's a couple of things that, ah, but overall for me, I would say I'd still recommend just for the value added stuff um, behind wildlife. Let's go. Okay. Bruce Perky, your rating on wildlife. So for me, it's a mild recommend three stars. If this is kind of your stuff and you're into this, you're going to have a good enough time, but if it's not for you, then you're probably not going to find anything that's going to blow you away here. I liked it a little bit more than you, Bruce, because I, I will, I'm into this whole mountain climbing stuff and because I'll never climb a mountain or <laughs> the, the only way I'm going to climb a mountain is if there's an escalator and it's broken, I'll climb that. I can do that. And I go on my, my Stairmaster. So this is sort of a wish fulfillment. These documentaries are wish fulfillments for me looking in through that mountainous window, but I'm giving this a solid recommend three and a half stars on wildlife. Again, streaming on the national geographic channel, but on Friday, May 26th, it'll also be streaming at Hulu on Hulu and Disney. And again, it's a very lean documentary, so it's only 93 minutes. So that is wildlife. Now I get to go and I can, I'm going to leave for another seven to eight minutes. I'm going to sleep because I'm coughing. I might have a slight cold. I might have a hole in the fence. 
I don't know if that's a pejorative, but there's a movie called The Holding the Fence that sounds very interesting. Bruce said to me and Eric that, hey, Eric, I think you might be triggered by this movie because da 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 da. So I don't even know. I just know there is a hole in the fence and it's called The Hole in the Fence. Eric Holmes, let's start off with you regarding The Hole in the Fence. So this one was a bit weird for me. Basically, uh, I don't know what we call it, a, a little bit of Lord of the Flies at a summer camp retreat sort of thing basically a bunch of kids go to uh this retreat this christian retreat i believe or catholic retreat uh it's, it, it's definitely um not secular the definitely religious retreat of sorts uh where boys become men and uh it's uh a little indie porn for my taste um because it takes a while to kind of get going but also it had a lot in common, and this is going to be way inside baseball, but Anderson has written a, a script called Battle at Skunk Skull. This is the lesser version of Battle at Skunk Skull. So the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, please, someone give Anderson a million dollars so he can make the better version of this movie. Um for the, uh, I think, I think this movie kind of picked up towards the end. Basically, it's about boys being boys, air quotes, otherwise known as boys being assholes. And the leaders of, of the retreat kind of either look another way or allowing that to happen. For the most part, I, I didn't like this movie. This was just kind of not my pace, not my, not my flavor. I kind of wish it. I kind of see the points they were going for in this movie. And this goes back to Journey to the UFC. If you have a point to make, get to the point. Make the point. This movie does way too much kind of spinning its wheels. And, hey, we're going to look at this thing for five minutes. We're going to talk and stretch stretch the dialogue out a little too long. This kind of, this movie wasn't for me. The the subject matter was definitely. And, Bruce, I can see where, where you would think that, like, I would be kind of triggered by this and at some points i was but for the most part this is kind of one of those movies that has a point of view that i'd be interested to seeing a filmmaker kind of dig into like sink their teeth into and really explore i don't think this movie does it it kind of lays out the point of view and then just kind of does nothing with it for a long time all that said the last shot of this movie is probably one of the most haunting things i've ever seen in my life (laughs) With the with with the with the bucket, so th- this movie is not without merit. This is not like an air quote bad movie, but this I think the points of view and the stuff this movie wanted to say, I think there are better ways to say it, and the people that need to hear the message need to be beat over the head with it. So you can't when you're telling a story like this, you can't be ambivalent about it, or you can't be. Uh, you have to be a lot more blunt with the message. Because the people that need to hear this message will not watch this in a million years. It's described as a Mexican-Polish psychological drama, and it is set specifically at an exclusive summer camp in the Mexican countryside. The original title is called El Hoyo en la Cerca. So, Bruce... Eric's kind of mixed on it. Are you are you loving it a little bit more than Eric? I'm 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 higher on it than Eric is. I do like it quite a bit more than he does. Um, but I absolutely see his points. I think that there is a lot to be said there. And I think if you come to it, you you have to be more down for the the style of this to enjoy it. I, I feel like the subtlety is some of the things I really enjoyed here. I think that there's also a lot more going on in here about like class and religion and rich 
versus, you know, rich people that have money with their little secluded, isolated camps where they can kind of train the next generation of isolated, of isolated rich people and the villagers nearby. There's a lot of stuff with that going on. Um, and there's some really, really subtly disturbing stuff going on here. And he mentions the last shot, which is pretty straightforward, but also it's done fairly subtly, but it's also pretty chilling. There's another outcome that occurs here too, with a character that has crutches. And I'll just say that is also yeah. pretty chilling. And everything that happens to that character is really chilling. And I think that there's some key moments in this movie throughout where it's presented as a survival camp. And like you said, like kind of like Lord of the Flies and kind of like letting boys be boys, but also teaching them, supposedly teaching them morality and honor and responsibility and how to toughen up and all that kind of stuff is kind of built into this system. But there's also a, a whole level of deceit and deviousness in the way that the adults are actually treating the children. And there's a few scenes where you see that the adults are not being forthcoming with what they're actually doing with the children. I think I would put it this way. The time-honored tradition of a, a snipe hunt is kind of amped up in this movie. The idea of a snipe hunt is kind of used in a much more sinister way, I think. But a lot of the sinister stuff is very, very, very subtle. So if you don't like it to be like, I, I can agree with what Eric says. If that kind of subtle isn't your tough cup of tea, you're going to be like, why don't you just, just say it? Just show me what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I could only totally get that. But I, I, I kind of dug it. I thought it was pretty good. I, I also kind of want to point out like that there's a bit of, uh, and I don't know if this is me reading into the movie because I got bored with some of it or actually it kind of works. So, you know, maybe it does, but there's something to be said about, so you have the religious, the religious leaders of this camp, they're indoctrinating children which is exactly what's happening. There, there's no there's no mystery there. But it kind of works as a metaphor for real life because yeah. what they're doing is, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not, it's not that bad. Why is it a problem that someone's teaching children their own ways? But when you see how these children act, eventually they're going to be released upon the world. And these children are horrifying creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are not innocent little children. These are little monsters that they're that they're building. So I, I kind of actually, the more I'm thinking of it, I kind of appreciate the, the metaphor of, uh, Oh, you know, I can have my religion. What does it, what does it hurt that I have my own religion? And then, but eventually that, that builds and that seeds and it, it kind of grows like bad thoughts. And eventually that's going to be released upon the world in its worst version. And there's a little bit of that too. I, I think that might be me reading a little bit too much into no, it. I don't, I don't think so. And I think that uh, it's funny because another movie that is a very weird comparison to make to this, but I don't think it is. If you think about just the themes, but not the presentation is Sallow. Yeah. I think this yeah. movie has a lot of similarities to Sallow. If Sallow was presented in a way that you could actually watch it. For the average person, um, I think it tackle, tackles a lot of the same subjects, believe it or not. I think this movie is very, very subtly disturbing. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, so that is The Hole in the Fence. It arrives on VOD on May 26th in the US on VOD, but it also opens in Los Angeles May 26th. And then in following weeks, it will roll out to more cities and dates. So I don't know, but if you can't see it in the theaters, it's going to be on VOD on Friday. So that, this might be a cool thing and see whether you might be on Bruce's camp or Eric's camp regarding this really interesting movie called The Hole in Defense or also known as El Hoyo en la Cerca. What is your rating, Eric Holmes, on The Hole in Defense? 
You know, I was at a three star, but I think I just stuck myself into a four star on this one. Four stars. That, all, all that said, I would much rather watch Battle of Skunk Skull. So okay. please make that movie happen. Uh, you, you're just giving it a really good. good four, I thought you were going to give it like maybe two, two and a half stars. Like, it's like, like when I first started watching, I'm like, screw this movie. And then I got done watching. It, I was like, okay, that that was a little better than I thought. And then now that we're talking about, it, I'm like. Okay, that was actually one bad. <laughs> okay, what is what isn't bad? That's an excellent uh, four star rating from Eric Holmes. Bruce Perky, what's your rating? I'm going to go four and a half. I think there's a lot to okay. be had for this movie. A lot to be said for this movie. Four and a half from Bruce Perky's. Bruce Perky's. What did I say? Perky's. I, Bruce Perky. Sorry yes, about that. Both of me. Both of my characters. <laughs> both your characters. You know, it's the Lord of the Flies. I, I was just thinking. I got scared by that reference. Even in the plot summary, they they uh, they mentioned. Lord of the Flies. Before we get to this movie that's very interesting called The Attachment Diaries, let's just go off and talk about Rick Romanois, director, and his latest collaboration with Gerard Butler. The movie is called Kandahar, and Gerard Butler plays a military operative out somewhere. It, you think he's it, the movie starts off, and it's not a spoiler. He's looks like he's fixing some cable underground, but what he's doing is actually, and he's he and his coworker, fellow operative, they're in danger because they're thinking you're not the cable guy, you're not a, you're not a pipe guy, are you? And then he, and then he has to convince him that hey, we're we're just normal la- workers. We're trying to get really good Wi-Fi in your in your remote area of uh, where Iran, I mm-hmm. think I, I believe so in, in Iran. So hey, Kandahar. What? Yeah. No, it was in Iran. It was the beginning of Iran. You know, Iran. So anyways, what happens is, well, the operation literally blows up because that's his operation is to blow up that section of the underground. And it's a big deal. It's a big covert operation. And what happens is, okay, everything's cool. And he's going to go home now. He, he did his big job. He's going to go home and he's going to see his wife who's almost uh, pretty much estranged from but then his daughter she's graduating and he has, he now has time to actually go home and, and from the middle east and go home and and just hang out with his daughter but no someone an, another operative a colleague played by travis fimo i believe he's from vikings he offers him another job and says hey you want to see your daughter if you want to see your daughter get and pay for her college here's all and he puts cash all on this table for Gerard, gerard butler and he goes you're the only operative i know who can do this mission i'm going to actually pair you up with a translator and everything should be fine well guess what again this is not a spoiler because this is the premise of the plot even though the plot unfolds halfway through the movie they show it in the trailer they're compromised. The translator and Gerard Butler's character are compromised. And the meat of the film has Gerard Butler's character and the translator. They must go travel 400 miles to Kandahar because that's their extraction point. That's the only way they can get on a military supply plane and go back to the U.S. The translator, he's actually settled down in the U.S. as well. Somewhere along the line, there's whether you're your ISIS, the Taliban, the Afghan, now commandos, mercenaries on, on or, or maybe government operatives riding riding a, a black motorcycle. There are so many different elements that are chasing Butler's character and the translator. It gets a little bit confusing about which who's who in the factions. That is a premise of Kandahar. It's a little bit of an action thriller, political thriller, and there's some drama behind it as well. Let's start off with. With uh, Eric Holmes, your thoughts on Kandahar? I think you're a fan of director Rick Roman. Well, you like some of his stuff and, you know, like Felon and I believe Greenland. And I think he might have done uh, English. Greenland, one. National Champions and this. Uh, yes, you love I, National I haven't Champions. Seen his, I haven't seen his previous. Like, I think he's most no, well known for uh, Angel is Fallen. But you love but National Champions. 
I, I love the crap out of National Champions. So I'm and thinking I, because you like his, sorry, you like the rhythms of his filmmaking style. I'm thinking yeah. this might appeal to you, or am I wrong on this? So it, it did. Now this is not my favorite of his movies that I've seen. Because oh, so we got Greenland, for example, which Greenland on its face uh, before going in just seemed like a dumb action, end uh, uh, of the world, you know, comet hitting the world, you know, comet hitting the Earth movie. But it was actually kind of a uh, kind of undercover, brilliant satire on the the Karens of the world, kind of uh, using their, you know, uh, being able to uh, use your privilege. Yeah, throwing their privilege around and. Uh, messing and putting people in danger as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, National Champions is a step-by-step how-to to improve college sports for people playing it that no one saw and no one heeded. But if you want to, the movie still exists and you can still do it if you want to because it would probably work. Uh, this one's not as good, but I still really enjoyed it as a uh, war thriller. Um, I got a little bit of uh, a anti-war message at the very end um not not explicit definitely uh the the anti-war message i picked up was very kind of played ironically much like greenland was and it's weird because uh, rick roman why i don't think i don't think he's written any of the three that i mentioned but i do think that him as a director he kind of uh rubs me like a uh, ridley scott if you write a good script if you write a script and give it to rick roman why he's going to He's going to do you good with that. So you're saying um, he's kind of like a Ridley Scott. You put him like, well, I actually with this movie specifically, and I guess with his previous movies, he's like, imagine Michael Bay. If he was good, that's kind of what Rick. <laughs> oh, Roman, come on. That's kind of what Rick <laughs> Roman was like of all the, cause Rick Roman, why he can get some really awesome action sequences in. And he, does. he, yeah. he can also get some really, uh, good performances out of the actors and get some real good emotions and scenes that probably shouldn't have them like that. There's some parts in here that imagine Kandahar is a Michael Bay movie. This is just, I'm rolling my eyes throughout the entire thing. Please. And please. And this movie sucks. I hate it. But for some reason, you know, the emotional scenes, as much as it's tugging at me, I just kind of roll with it. The action scenes are badass. The story's very convoluted. I mean, Greg took you 20 minutes to get through the story and and by the way greg you nailed it that's not that's not a slight on you that's just kind of how how convoluted the the plot is yeah but uh i think this is a really good version of this kind of movie but it's no national champions champions. okay okay what about you bruce what do you think of kandahar yeah i'm similar i I thought it was for an action movie i i entered was entertained enough and I enjoyed it enough. I strangely do tend to enjoy Gerard Butler movies. The, of the action movies, his tend to a lot of times be be ones I enjoy quite a bit. And but I like the ones where he's a little more over the top, or at least like a guilty matters. pleasure. You enjoy it? Sorry, you a enjoy like bit. I, not okay. really though. I think I think they're just kind of solid. I, I feel like they're the way. Okay, I don't know. This is really old, but the early days of Schwarzenegger. When he was making movies like Red Heat and all these other movies like Raw Deal, all those kind of movies, mm-hmm. he was just making these really solid action movies that were just entertaining. I feel like Butler's kind of in that lane with a lot of stuff, but I like the ones that are a little more over the top, like the Geostorms and the mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Greenlands and that kind of stuff. Whereas this is more of a just a like you said, like a a political a war thriller, more of a war thriller than political, but it has political elements to it. 
but I had a good time, good enough time watching it. Uh, pretty much every time I started to go like, oh, it's really dark here. What's happening exactly? What, who? Wait, what happened to the dude that was chasing him with the mustache? Wait, why? Why does the other guy have a motorcycle? But then every so uh, then that then there would be a good action sequence, and I'd be like, oh, okay, cool, this is fun. <laughs> you know, so that was kind of the movie for me. Every time I started a flag, uh, another pretty good action sequence came in, and it kept me it kept me afloat. Yeah, not bad. I'm a sucker for action movies. There are several action sequences in this movie. You were talking about the dark, the dead of night, the dark, dark of night. There is an action scene, a, sort of a firefight, ground to air yes. firefight yes. in the mountains in pitch black, which is why, how the heck do they do this? I don't know. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm, I'm not even smart. The way they executed and what Eric was talking about, putting in story within the action it's a really well done action sequence. And then they put in a little bit of a story spin to it as well. Okay. Regarding the relationship between the translator and the CIA, CIA operative played by Gerard Butler, the CIA, CIA operative, his name is Tom Harris, but yeah, very interesting thing. There is, a, there is a market sequence regarding stealing a car and the, the black motorcycle and things happen. It well done. And the final, the third act, the final moments, which I'm not going to, can't, I can't actually describe what happens in the third act. Really, <laughs> you're on pins and needles and it's really beautifully executed, especially, uh, especially regarding one of its characters. Okay. The way it goes down with one of the, the ensemble characters in Kandahar. So on a superficial level, I recommend this just based on the action sequences. Is the story convoluted? Yes. Is there a story about a journalist who's exposing what's going on with the Pentagon and she might have to suffer the consequences? Yes. And But that's a little bit, bit part of the story. Is it needed? Uh, maybe a little bit so, but not maybe too much. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But I, I fell for Kandahar hook, line, and sinker. I am a Rick Roman Wall fan, probably as much as Eric Holmes, but I, I got to command Eric because I know a couple of years ago, I know Bruce, you also like National Champions, but I, yeah, I remember. that was a good movie. Yeah, we all sure. loved it, but Eric was the one who just went on a limb and just really championed it. So uh, this is a movie that I think I liked a li- even a little bit more than Bruce and Eric, but I think, I hope maybe all of us kind of, at least on the very, on a, maybe mildly recommended. I don't know. Let's start off with the, the person I think who might have the lowest rating for Kandahar, Bruce Berkey, what do you give it? Uh, three stars. Mild recommend. Good. Yeah. Okay. Eric Holmes, what is your rating? Oh, geez. I might have to talk this. This cannot be lower than Hole in the Fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this, this I, had I, a hole. there was a Hole in the Fence in this movie, too. Yeah. I'm going to go three and a half stars on this. <laughs> but good, this, Bruce. This, this would be like a this would be like a Maddie Doe rating. Like for for anyone else doing this this movie, it'd be like four star action thriller. But like since I already have pretty high regard for Rick Roman Wall and I know what other movies he's done, I kinda hold him to a higher standard than a lot of people. That said, if you have if you have a banger script, Roman Wall is gonna take it over the edge because he's just he's just that good. The the action scenes are great in this. Love the motorcycle guy. I'm I'm talking myself up. It is a four star. <laughs> four, four stars. <laughs> yeah. Four Eric Holmes, did you just look in the mirror one day and said, today I'm going to be a short, overweight Asian named Greg Trizavosti, and I'm yes. going to throw down four ratings. It's okay. Hey, you can it, only it, do it. For- it's weird because I think that because he's like a really good like action blockbuster kind of director. Like if you get if you get a halfway decent, in, like I normally don't want 
directors that I like going into MCU movies because it's usually a waste of talent. But he's like that kind of he's that kind of director. Like he's the kind of the Michael Bay that we wish we had. We do have, he's right here. He's making awesome movies. Um, and he's, he's just kind of, yeah, give him something and let him go. I mean, one of his earlier yeah, movies it, is free. In fact, if Anderson doesn't want to direct battle at skunk school, maybe he hands it to Rick Rowan wall and Rick <laughs> Rowan wall, knock that out of the park. Who knows? That, that's who, that's who not knows? to Anderson to say, but I think that would be uh, something to behold for sure. We got to give props to Rick Roman Waugh's earlier films like Felon. I love Felon. Stephen Dorff, friggin' Val Kilmer. Have you seen that, guys? Have you seen Felon? Not. No. Oh, the, no. The, the only three oh, no. I've seen was Greenland, okay, National and the, Champions, and this. Oh, no, no. This is one of these things where I might have to actually sneak it, sneak in a Felon pick on the box for Bruce Perky's we, in we, the box. We, we, might have to, we might have to break out the director's spotlight and just go Rick Roman Waugh's <laughs> next one. I'm no, I'm telling you. For that. I think Bruce, my my thing on Bruce is I think he'll actually, at the very least, give Felon three stars. I think you will love Felon, especially since you love yeah. Al Kilmer and you love Dorf. Oh, my gosh. Forget about it. And then you're going to love Rick Romoa even more after this. Anyways, that is three stars. Mild recommendation from Bruce Perky for Kandahar. Four stars for me. I'm giving Kandahar four stars. That sounds predictable. But anyways, that is and four stars from Eric Holmes. That is Kandahar. It opens nationwide on May 26th. We're going to close the show, not with a box pick, because we're going to roll that over to open range. That's going to be when Anderson joins us next week. Eric and I are actually going to take this um, this uh, time off, and we're going to mute our mics. And I have a feeling that Bruce Perky is going to uh, worship the altar of the attachment diaries. Can you just teach me and Eric what we just saw um, and, and learn, us, learn <laughs> us some things about the ways of what attachment is and babies or abortions or non-abortions and oh that's not anything about this movie (laughs) (laughs) okay attachment diaries Uh, me and eric are muting the mic eric's gonna get some shish kebabs exact opposite of abortions (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true very interesting eric okay the floor is yours bruce perky the attachment diaries uh directed by oh boy do i have the name right uh is it valentine javier demont 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 Okay, uh, Javier Dement, I believe. Yes. Sounds good. Dement. Uh, this this movie, oh boy, this grabbed me right from the get go. The visuals of this movie, I uh, I freaking love this movie. So it just starts out black and white, beautiful black and white, and just a woman with missing one of the heels walking in the rain. You see her feet. I mean, it's almost it's somewhere between noir and giallo, and I love it. This movie. It's supposed to be in the 70s. It's supposed to take place in Argentina. And you basically have two main characters. You have Arena, who is a doctor. And you have Carla. Uh, not Carla. Yeah, Carla, who is her patient. And Carla shows up in the middle of the night asking for help. She basically shows up at the gate of the... It's the home slash office of the right. doctor, Arena. And Arena takes her in. And you figure out pretty quickly that abortions are illegal this time or all this stuff's kind of under the table. And she will take in arena because arena says that she has been sexually assaulted and she's pregnant as a result of that. And arena says she'll take her in and she will find someone to take the baby, but she's going to have to live there and stay in her house and kind of follow her rules. She's a very, very stern, strict kind of a taskmaster of a doctor, kind of an almost a mad scientist of a doctor's the way she seems, you know, and that is the beginning of this very, very odd relationship 
high melodrama, but in ways that I absolutely loved. And good God, how can I describe all the things that happens in this movie? Does this movie go, Bruce, does it go slower than time itself? I, I would just wonder. Uh, no, I love this movie. I love <laughs> everything about this movie. Um, you basically have this weird situation where the woman Carla is like this kept woman in this house, just being waiting to have a baby. Irina is going to essentially bring in possible parents to meet her. And but I don't even want to say what happens. Yeah. Things go, yeah, I was going to say, pump the brakes on that. <laughs> things go very, very sideways in a super stylish way that I adored. And then they go sideways again in a way you're not expecting. There's things that are, I can't even say, there's things that are happening that you think are happening that are not happening. <laughs> How can I be more vague? And there is a visual reveal at about the two thirds mark of this movie that was also glorious. I love everything about this movie. This movie is fantastic. I will say this, no matter what my review is of the Attachment Diaries is... I'm assuming this movie with the languages in Spanish, the country of origin, like Bruce was saying, is Argentina. It's a limited budget, I'm sure, with what they're working with. And it's proof that with a limited budget, with the constraints, you can still make a visually expressive and expansive work of art. That is the attachment diaries. Bruce is really into it. I don't know, Eric, it's slow paced, interesting, meditative, reflective, sometimes violent. Who knows? Maybe it's violent intellectually or emotionally. What did you think of the attachment diaries? This is really tough because all the stuff that I really love about this, I cannot talk about. <laughs> I kind of almost want to do a spoiler just on this. Um, but I, I would say early on, I, I love the, the black and white look, I, you know, the, like, like Bruce said, the giallo and kind of, uh, film noir look to it. The story was going a little slow for my taste at, at the beginning. But just stick with it. It, 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 it goes that's places. Right. And that, that's about all I can say because. There, there are so many kind of twists and turns. And actually, the weird thing is, and this kind of why I'd, I'd love to talk to you off air to a spoiler. There's a twist in this that becomes kind of one of the main main plot points. I think people might think is, what what's the word? It, it's not a... Uh, no, awesome. the twist? Yeah, the no, twist. No, it's... Uh, Self-defeating, it's... it's uh, Jumping the shore. Irresponsible. Irresponsible. We'll, we'll say irresponsible. Right. Uh, when you find out. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course. I, I, I hope you two know right. what I'm talking about. Yes, but, I do. But there, there's, there, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain, there's a certain person that could watch this movie and take a certain thing away from it. And some people don't need that much trouble taking that certain thing away from it that I think is a bit irresponsible, but man, yes, it, it, it goes places. I did just, just watch it. That, that, that's all I'll say. Just watch it. Well, look, there's, if you want to actually be sort of the morality police or have more, a moral high ground, which I, I'm not eschewing that. I, I mean, if, if that's one, if that's what, let's say a, a, a watcher is, has maybe some moral fiber issues, there will be issues to be found. But if you like your characters, well-rounded and human yeah. and flawed and, morally question, questionable and you're okay with it, then I think the attachment diaries will be fine. But uh, uh, real yes. quick to the, and we really should be doing a spoiler discussion on this, but the, the whole moral quandary isn't so much of the filmmakers. It's someone with that point of view to begin with. You're right. Right. Might no, point sure. to this movie saying, see, see, that's right. why 
And right. it, it, this sucks. I cannot talk about any of this. <laughs> okay. And again, like it's directed by Valentin Javier Demand, visually expressive, alluring, beautiful, great lead performances by the actresses, as well as the ensemble. The ensemble, there's a, there's a person who actually gets the doctor some, some of her weekly stuff. He's good in this movie. That's also <laughs> there. I guess what, and not even made their housekeeper who, who it's very responsible and is okay with keeping secrets. There's different people. They're, there's a nice uh, Tony couple who have a lot of money. They they pop in and out of the attachment <laughs> diaries. There's rain. There's black and white. And again, there's Jalo influences. My only warning, Eric mentioned a warning about some people might might not cotton to some of the the stuff of the attachment diaries. Stick if you are looking for a Tony Scott edited movie with suspense thriller with cuts every single second or just a fast-paced movie you come to the wrong film you have to actually wait for the story to evolve and if you're on that actual train and that actual rhythm i think the attachment diaries should be right up your alley especially if you like if you're a fan of giallo noir horror uh, love stories twisted love interesting love stories De Palma. Palma. Yeah, some interesting <laughs> stuff. Interesting stuff. Let's get to ratings. Eric Holmes, the final oh, final thoughts on the attachment diaries. Bruce, you love it so much. Final thoughts. I, I just I just hope this doesn't get buried in it. I'm sure it will. I think this movie needs to be discovered by some people, and I think it hopefully will. I have somebody I would suggest this to right now who loves these kind of films. I only want to say because it might give away what kind of film this is. But oh, yeah. very, very, very good. This is great. Oh, great, great. Okay, so Eric Holmes, your rating on the attachment diaries. Goodness. Um, if you can watch a movie for the uh, points of view that it has, and you are a grown, mature adult, this would probably be a four and a half. If you're the type of person that likes to victim blame people, or you know someone that likes to victim blame people, keep them far away from this movie because it will give them way too many ideas that they don't need to be having. Uh, mm. but, but, but yeah, this, this is a really great movie. So this is a four and a half stars from Eric Holmes. What is your rating, Bruce Perky? Uh, five stars. Five stars. I was a little bit dis. Oh, five stars. Five stars. That's a lot. Uh, you know, that's the perfect score. Five, um, well, I, it's not the five star classic, but it's a five star banger from Bruce Perky. Yeah. That was your number one this this week. Yes, Eric Holmes. And I'm giving this one this movie one star just out of spite of all these high ratings. <laughs> I don't want to be different. No, Eric Holmes. What are you going to say? Yes. I, there's also porn in this movie, so let that be. It's real like that 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 movie that Jack Horner and Boogie Nights wanted to make. I want them to. I want them. They're so you know it's a family show, but they can't leave because they need to know how the story ends. This is the movie that Jack Horner wanted to make that he never did. Right, right. Bruce, Bruce, and we're so old. We remember on on TV Guide. Bruce, remember when we would look at the TV Guide and there'd be on TV or select TV or HBO. And they would say rated R for violence and sexual situations, nudity, situa- nudity <laughs> yeah. and sexual situations. Yes. And by, and by the way, when I say porn, that's not disparaging this movie. I think porn is an underutilized genre and that more uh, movie should uh, more movies should employ as this one does in certain areas. Okay. Well, there, there are there is nudity and sexual situations in the attachment oh. diaries. It's called the attachment diaries. Some people have to be attached at at. I was going to say join at the hip, but there's you can imagine. Let hey, you imagine one wild ass up. This is a family show. It, it, it's a very very <laughs> family show. Again, the attachment diaries opening at IFC Center on May twenty sixth. Per Bruce's warning, let's not get this movie buried. Let's see some more attention for this film, which is very, very, very good. Okay, that's it. 
Final thoughts? Oh, oh what, yes. What, what was your score? Because I interrupted you like 69 times or so. I give, I'm giving it one star because you guys loved it so much. My oh, real, I thought you were joking. No, my real rating for the Attachment Diaries, I'm giving it four stars. Solid recommendation Dang. for me. And listeners, if you listen, if you check out our cinematics episodes from moving forward until the end of time, Bruce, if you want to listen to some reviews, Bruce and Eric, they will be giving just different ratings. I just am on this mission just to give every single movie I watch four stars. <laughs> Seriously, I really love the Attachment Diaries not as much as Bruce and Eric. We all loved it though. Okay. So final thoughts before we go. It was a long episode. We covered six movies. We covered a lot. Anything to look forward to next week, Bruce or Eric? Any final thoughts from you guys? Eric, let's start off with you. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely a bunch of things to look forward to. Um, I got to check the dates because I don't know what we're talking about next week. But uh, actually, next week is Anderson, I believe. Yeah. The week Anderson. after that is the ones where we got the, was it, the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster? If not, yeah, that's in a couple keep weeks. Now for that. Okay. Um, keep an eye out for uh, I cannot remember because my brain sucks. But also, Gremlin Secret of the Mogwai is out now on Max. On the, Max, and it's uh pretty great. And yeah, and you it's know, got Gremlins in it. It's got Gremlins in it. We already talked. Uh, we talked this to death. It's the greatest movie ever made, along with Gremlins too. <laughs> And Return of the Living Dead and Raising Cane. <laughs> right, right. All those movies. All those all our personal movies. And yes, Groupers yes. and Clockwork Orange and Wild uh, uh, in America. And I forgot yeah. Ghost Story. Anderson wasn't here, but I forgot Ghost Story last time when we talked. Oh, about Ghost it. Story, Peter Straub. You love that movie very, very much. No, huh? no, no. The the the, <laughs> oh. the one with Casey Affleck, the uh oh, David yeah. Lowry one. Well, you should see Ghost Story, the that 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 version of Ghost Story. I which do. You oh, like Ghost yeah. Story of Peter Straub too. Yeah. yeah. And Alice Krieger. We Alice Krieger, yeah. We love Alice Krieger. Hey, we'll that, see that's... the life run out of you. <laughs> are you is it, are you being Alice Krieger or are you being Bruce Berkey and threatening me? I don't know <laughs> what's, what's that about Bruce. If you see me coming down the stairs in a wedding dress, turning into a corpse, you know I'm in trouble. That is so scary. That is so scary. I interviewed Krieger a couple of years ago. I should have asked her that question because that, mo- that scene still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Final thoughts from Bruce Berkey. I am excited and may to be terrible, but I'm excited about Lynch Oz next week. Yes. Lynch Oz. Okay, that'll be our review. And our co-founder of Cinematics, Anderson Cameron, will be here next week to join the crew. Thanks again for listening to us on Cinematics. See you guys next week. Bye.